everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Hydrogen Nowcast, recorded on August 20th, 2020. This is a podcast devoted to encouraging the deployment of fuel cell EVs, hydrogen fueling, and hydrogen infrastructure throughout the world. The Hydrogen Nowcast is a production of the Colorado Hydrogen Network in Denver, Colorado. In each podcast, we'll interview the people, organizations, companies, and municipalities that are working to produce or deploy hydrogen technology. We'll discuss their plans and strategies, successes and lessons learned. Our intent is to encourage and motivate others to take charge, to help deploy hydrogen as a means to decarbonize transportation, and accelerate the movement to stop climate change. I'm Brian DeBruin, the Director of Operations for the Colorado Hydrogen Network. Our guest today is Laura Nelson, the Executive Director of a partner organization to the Colorado Hydrogen Network called the Green Hydrogen Coalition. Laura, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. It's great to be with you uh, today. And I just want to acknowledge the great work of the Colorado Hydrogen Network and really express our appreciation for the partnership with the Green Hydrogen Coalition. I think we're all up to finding those solutions for how we can provide for multi-sector decarbonization. And certainly as we partner and work together, we build a collaborative voice for momentum about our clean energy future with green hydrogen. Well, thanks, Laura. And I too appreciate the work that the Green Hydrogen Coalition is doing. And so we'll talk about that more during the podcast. But Laura, why don't we start with you giving the listeners kind of an overview of what the Green Hydrogen Coalition organization is and and what your mission is. Great, thank you, happy to do that. So the Green Hydrogen Coalition really is a national organization. Our members um, operate across the country from East Coast to West Coast. Um, And our mission is to facilitate policies and practices to advance production and use of green hydrogen in all sectors where it will accelerate the transition to a carbon-free energy system. And our approach is unique. Um, We focus on large scalable projects that can provide for this multi-sector application and brings together offtake with a large scalable project. And so our first focus has been on a project which is currently being developed in the state of Utah, where I happen to reside. This is the Intermountain Power Project, which will provide uh, energy into the California system via an agreement uh, with the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power to offtake that power. And of course, LADWP is the largest municipal utility in the country. So this project is quite significant. I will note that LADWP and IPP have a current arrangement today. In fact, um, IPA has been providing energy to California um, since the 1980s, but it's currently a coal-fired generation facility. So this coal-fired generation facility, 1,800 megawatts, is going to be decommissioned and recommissioned as a combined cycle combustion turbine that will burn 30% green hydrogen on day one, scaling up to 100% green hydrogen by 2045. So this is really significant where you have production and offtake coming together to find a solution to repurpose existing infrastructure, repurpose jobs, and really drive investment in that clean energy future and help us to meet those decarbonization goals. And we believe by demonstrating these scalable projects, 
that you fundamentally drive the momentum across all projects for decarbonized solutions with green hydrogen. So we're very excited about that project. We call that our first initiative, but we certainly want to drive other large scalable initiatives because we think it's that top-down momentum and leadership that's going to produce that clean energy future. And I should mention that the GHC is a 501c3. Um, So we're an educational nonprofit. We aren't like, you know, maybe you might think of uh, um, an association (laughs) in normal terms, an industry association. We're driven uh, and our work is supported through donations. And so we really focus on how we can educate and advance the regulatory and policy best practices through education across all stakeholders. Very good. Well, how did the Green Hydrogen Coalition get started? Oh, I love that question because it's such an important one. You know, we at the Green Hydrogen Coalition are supporters of energy storage. In fact, our founder is Janice Lynn, and Janice also founded the California Energy Storage Association, which is a very large energy storage association predominantly based in California, which has fundamentally changed um, the landscape for energy storage and the market for energy storage. And as we look at the evolution of our energy systems, and I'll talk maybe about the West uh, just for a minute, and we see the declining cost of renewable energy and the decommissioning of existing fossil facilities, we have a need to replace those capacity and resource adequacy requirements on the system so that we can continue to have system flexibility, system reliability, and certainly resilience. And so energy storage is a fundamental part of replacing those conventional resources that have provided those services. And energy storage in all forms is critical to that. And so the California Energy Storage Alliance has been very instrumental in driving and creating this market. And in the context of those energy storage conversations, it really has shown up that what we are going to need in an ever expanding renewable energy system portfolio is long duration energy storage. In other words, energy storage that can provide for multi-day and even seasonal uh, adjustment of load and resources in order to balance the system. And what has keenly shown up as the a commercially viable option today, and one that if we get the market design right, absolutely is going to provide the scaled long duration energy storage solutions that the system needs, and that's green hydrogen. And so it seemed such a big and important initiative and one where we really needed to create, again, that top-down momentum and build the conversations around how we can accelerate uh, market design principles in the space that creating an independent coalition made a lot of sense to highlight this very unique game-changing resource. And even I think more impactful is the fact that green hydrogen, while the power sector is going to be an important part of deployment of green hydrogen, including storage, as I mentioned, it also can be utilized in the gas sector. It can be utilized in transportation, in agriculture, in industrial applications. So it has this broad array of applications that really require, I believe, this deliberate and focused approach on 
pushing that momentum uh, for the resource and creation of that market design that's going to be required to support uh, large-scale investment. And so that's the green hydrogen's you know, background, I suppose, not maybe in a nutshell, uh, but a bit of background. And so we, have, we were essentially formed uh, in, in 2019, and we've just been moving fast ever since. Yeah, the uh, Colorado Hydrogen Network started about the same time that, that you did. So I guess there was uh, maybe something in the air that kind of got us all motivated to get started. So so we've been talking mostly about the Green Hydrogen Coalition, but I think your, our listeners would be interested to know something about your background. I know that you have experience working for two governors, but why don't you tell us how you got involved in being an advocate for hydrogen? I really appreciate that opportunity. Thank you, Brian. So I've been in the energy space uh, for about 25 years, and I've worked in academics, I've worked in regulation, I've worked in policy, and I've worked uh, in the commercial space. Uh, and now I'm working, you know, for a nonprofit to advance a particular energy solution as well as a multi-sector solution for decarbonization. And while it may seem like, wow, she's worked in a lot of different spaces, maybe I couldn't decide what I wanted to be <laughs> when I grew up. But, you know, I was really always passionate about finding solutions and market pathways for realizing clean energy innovation. And that really was going to be the future as we looked at climate considerations and really how we protect our planet and our people. And so I'm an economist by training. Um, that's uh, my, my PhD, I suppose. Um, but my passion really has been energy. It's fundamental to the way that we live life, to the quality of life that we have. And without access to clean, affordable, reliable energy, we simply can't exist um, the way that we do today. And we see that even happens around the world and the devastating effects uh, when systems, energy systems are unavailable or made unavailable. So take, for example, you know, fires occurring in California, and in fact, they're entering fire season now. Um, or you look at uh, what happened like in Puerto Rico with hurricanes. So how do we assure a system is available so it's resilient? So meeting all of these considerations around clean energy systems that are reliable, resilient, and affordable is a passion of mine. And so clean energy innovation occurs because we're engaged uh, through regulatory processes and policy processes. So that's one of the reasons I entered into those pathways. But you also have to have boots on the ground and drive the commercialization and realize the opportunities to get those types of projects done. And then ultimately, I think the role of education can't be understated. So you need people talking about these solutions and definitely working together. In fact, um, collaboration is a fundamental principle of the Green Hydrogen Coalition. So we're about bringing people together um, to have a conversation around that future that I think everybody wants. And I define it as a clean, affordable energy future for everyone. Well, kudos to you for your hard work. I know we all appreciate it. You know, one of the other projects that uh, the Green Hydrogen Coalition is involved in is the Intermountain Power Project, IPP. Could you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So that is actually um, the project I mentioned, you know, that we're focused on specific initiatives. That's our approach really is to focus on these large uh, scalable projects that can demonstrate production and utilization at scale. So I'll go a little bit more into detail about what is so amazing about the Intermountain Power Project. I mentioned um, it is today a coal-fired facility operating in the state of Utah, in rural Utah, where it provides uh, in the neighborhood of 450 jobs and significant revenues, uh, as you can imagine, uh, for the the county and the community. And it provides energy and energy services um, to the California market predominantly. It does have other offtake agreements presently, um, but the California market has been significant in California consumers in relation to that particular plan. Well, LADWP is looking at not having a coal system, a coal plant in their system any longer, and IPP is in fact the last coal plant uh, in their portfolio today. So as we began, um, and this will go back several years through my work in Utah, we really began evaluating what solutions were. And I won't say that, uh, you know, the state or anyone specifically in the state created this, but we really recognized that we had to create clean energy pathways. And so about um, four years ago, we really began looking very deliberately at hydrogen uh, in the state of Utah. We actually have significant hydrogen uh, legislation on the books, so to speak, now, and cleared the pathway that, you know, effectively we're open to business to do hydrogen. And I think in the meantime, you have IPA and LADWP looking for the renewal uh, of this particular facility, what is that going to look like that will meet the needs of LA and allow for an effective solution at IPA? And what shows up really is green hydrogen. And so effectively what this project will do is take renewable energy from the grid or utilize purpose-built renewable energy to power an electrolyzer that can chemically split water into its component elements, hydrogen uh, and oxygen. The hydrogen can be pulled off and then that becomes your fuel resource. And located at this site are also large salt domes that can be engineered for significant storage. I believe up to 100 salt domes can be built at site and can hold about 5,500 metric tons of hydrogen. Then that hydrogen will be moved into the generator. And as I mentioned, the combustion turbine will be able to utilize 30% green hydrogen on day one. And Mitsubishi Hitachi Power Systems, who was awarded the RFP for the combustion turbine, is working very aggressively on accelerating the rate at which the combustion turbine could use that um, green hydrogen. And of course, the target is 100% green hydrogen by 2045. So providing a truly 100% green thermal molecular renewable energy resource to complement all of our other renewable energy resources on the grid and truly drive that decarbonized future. And at the same time, repurposing significant infrastructure, including a very large (laughs) transmission system at the site. And you know how difficult transmission is to build these days. So it really is a quite elegant solution to, I think, a vision around our environment and our economy. Well, you know, I think the Intermountain Power Project is a good example of using local resources for renewable energy. You know, not everywhere in the United States do we have the salt domes, but it's nice to take advantage of the salt domes that are there. And of course, other regions have 
other advantages, you know, hydroelectric power and those kind of things. So I think our renewable energy future is probably going to look a little bit different in each state. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, effectively what happens, I mean, salt domes candidly are in terms of hydrogen storage today, they are the least cost um, alternative. And we store hydrogen, it just happens to be brown or gray hydrogen uh, in Texas. Um, off the Gulf Coast and large salt domes. But there are other ways um, that you can store it, whether it's in other rock formations or, you know, kind of existing that utilize oil and gas wells and possibly uh, even thermochemical solutions as well as containers. But what happens as you scale it up, the cost of all of these solutions will come down. So I think you're exactly right that the solutions um, are going to be locally specific. And of course, fuel cells, right? <laughs> and as uh, we continue to build out our transportation system or utilizing fuel cells, including the fueling systems, and looking at fuel cells to also provide significant um, microgrid solutions, as well as provide those local alternatives or grid resilience, I, I think it, it really is going to be a game changer in how we build out our future energy systems. So I think you're 100% right. There's going to be local considerations. And interestingly, and the thing that I believe is so game changing, as I mentioned about green hydrogen, is just the diversity of applications and the ability to drive down cost across um, the supply chain as we develop the resource. Yeah, I just couldn't agree more. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit and uh, talk about a project that you and I have been working on. You know, a few weeks ago, the Colorado Hydrogen Network reached out to basically all the Western states' hydrogen advocacy groups about organizing into a coalition. And the idea behind the coalition was to basically organize our efforts to share information and come up with some unified action plans to promote both hydrogen and fuel cells. And of course, I contacted the Green Hydrogen Coalition and Laura, you and I met online really for the first time. But as we talked, we decided that we ought to work together to try to spearhead some kind of an informal organization that turned out that we're now calling the Hydrogen Associations Working Group. So why don't you talk about a little bit about what uh, you and I are trying to do with that? You know, thank you so much again for, for reaching out. As I mentioned, collaboration is going to be fundamental to building that top-down momentum. And so certainly finding the areas where we have commonality, where we can mutually um, support each other's goals and objectives, I think we're going to start building a broader and deeper conversation around green hydrogen and hydrogen applications across the board. And so I think, you know, whether it's a specific focus on transportation or a specific focus on you know the gas sector or the power sector or industrial applications, that we can find areas where we can build momentum together. And, you know, I think it is the case that with the tide rising, all boats rise, correct? So there are ways that we can elevate, work together, and really create that positive momentum for a fundamental resource that really can be absolutely pivotal in how we're going to reach our clean energy future. I'm very pleased to be able to have this opportunity to look at how we um, build hydrogen in overall uh, across um, our systems and our transportation systems. Maybe we'll 
kind of have some focus on that initially. But overall, as um, you know, the power system evolves and moves towards, you know, increased electrification, what's the role of green hydrogen as we look at, you know, our gas system and providing for, you know, those renewable molecule, green molecule options within that system. I think that, you know, we're just beginning to stick our toe in the water um, with this partnership. But I, I, I think um, before, you know, we could really all be finding great places to work and partner together. Well, there's no question that the whole idea of hydrogen and renewable energy is just gaining incredible momentum. You know, I think probably you get calls all the time, as I do, people around the world hearing about things to do with hydrogen and ways to invest and other things. So it's just really an exciting time. I think we're just hitting a point where it's really going to start to take off. I couldn't agree more. You Every day, you know, there is a new green hydrogen conversation and more than one dozens. And if you look around um, the world, the announcements that are being made in Denmark, in uh, Canada, in Saudi Arabia, around very large green hydrogen projects that are combining offshore wind um, with refining capabilities and really looking for those integrated um, systems. And so you can have, to your point earlier, kind of how do you take advantage of the locationally specific opportunity which includes what are the what's the offtake potential and what's the supply potential and how do you bring those together to really create a robust and powerful solution so something new happening every day it's a lot to keep up with but it's fun to do it and important to do it right well you know as i always say in our introductions to this podcast if uh listeners if you're out there and um Maybe you're not in the industry or anything else, but you'd like to try to help. You can definitely do something. So we encourage everybody to uh, maybe start an organization where you are. Reach out to Laura or to me. We'll be happy to help things get started because I really think a lot of this is a grassroots movement right now. So I think it's just going to continue to grow. I agree. And, you know, if I could just mention, um, maybe put a little plug in for something I think is that the Green Hydrogen Coalition has done. And I just think it's important for educating. And if people really want to understand and know about green hydrogen, we just um, published like literally hot off the press, our green hydrogen guidebook. It's available now on our website, ghcoalition.org. And I would just encourage people, if you want to know more about green hydrogen and you want to want to go to one place, um, you can go check that out. It's very comprehensive covering, you know, what green hydrogen is, the various applications for green hydrogen, some of the challenges and some of the solutions for continuing to advance the market designed for this critical resource. Great. Well, and I'll put a, um, a link to that on the uh, Colorado Hydrogen uh, Network website as well. So... Wonderful. Thank you so much. I, I have to say, Brian, what you're doing to educate and to build momentum is really, I think, um, very meaningful. Um, and I appreciate your dedication and commitment. I hear that in all of the conversations that you and I have and just very excited that you've launched this podcast. And here you are already in less than a year, <laughs> your ninth uh, podcast. And I'm, I'm pleased to be uh, number nine. Well, thank you so much, Laura. And, you know, I was just looking at our statistics the other day, and we've actually got listeners all over the world, uh, even Africa. So uh, I guess maybe that's a good segue to uh, say to the listeners that if you enjoy listening to the Hydrogen Nowcast, please subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating. Um, you know, a good rating helps us be discovered by other people. And also, word of mouth recommendations are really important. So consider letting people in your own network know about the Hydrogen Nowcast. So, Laura, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there unless you have any closing thoughts. 
I think uh, we've covered a lot today, Brian. Really appreciate the opportunity and excited about our continued work together. Well, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm so glad to have met you. And I think there's a lot of good work we can do out there. So we'll keep at it. So anyway, until next time, listeners, this is Brian DeBruin wishing you health and prosperity. Goodbye.